0: Okay, Abu Hashem, thank God we have the schut of doing another she or, and we have the merit of doing it from Sikhotaran, the beautiful, wondrous conversations which we're going to analyze and learn from and try to draw closer to Hashem from. And this Sicha is a very, very important Sicha and is especially important for our generation, especially for those who live in the Western Hemisphere, especially, especially for those who live in. United States of America, in the tri-state area, California, and Miami, and wherever else the Jewish people are situated. Now this Sikha this might, might not be so easy to digest uh, uh, initially, but you should really sit and meditate on it and, and let it percolate. And hopefully, Bezod Hashem, you're gonna hear exactly what you need to hear, even though it's not what you thought you were gonna hear. Okay, so Rabbi Nachman, It's teaching this on achieving real wealth. In these times, Rabbi Nachman says, it's very difficult for a person who's Dati to have wealth. Simply put, Rabbi Nachman saying that the reason why people who are more spiritually inclined, who are working on, let's say, learning Torah or during the mitzvot or trying to help other Jewish people um, for the majority of their day in some spiritual capacity, one way or the other, It's very, very difficult for that same person to have a lot of money. And while it might appear on the surface to be because he's not endeavoring to make so much money. (laughs) He's not trying to make so much money because he's busy with spiritual stuff. But that's only what it looks like, Rabbi Nachman says. In fact, the real truth is that there's a very deep reason why, for those people who are trying to grow spiritually, wealth is uh, avoiding them or evading them. Rabbi Nachman says like this, to, to obtain riches for this person, for this Jew to become very wealthy, he's gonna need to suffer a tremendous spiritual decline. He's gonna need to have a serious urida, a serious decline of spiritual avoda, of of, of closeness to Hashem, of toiling and spirituality it's going to have to take a tremendous fall yet even after this Rabbi Nachman says there's no guarantee of wealth because he says that even people who are not religious they're not spiritually inclined they're not connected to spirituality or maybe they're even horrible people right right these are two very different things but he's just bringing two categories these people can also be poor so, what is Rabbi Nachman trying to teach us? That even from the very beginning of the Sikha, that the goal of spirituality is a good one, and it's one in which that you can be sure you're going to obtain what you're looking for, which is closeness to Hashem, or the Bal Shem Tov would call dvekas, right? For the person who decides that he doesn't want to, and specifically for the sake of trying to run after money, so Rabbi Nachman says that. One, as long as you are spiritually compelled, it's gonna be difficult for you to also get your hands on all that money. And even if you decide that wealth is more important to you than happiness or wholeness or feeling spiritually elevated, yet the truth is that it's not a guarantee you're gonna find that money anyway. Because even non-religious people can also be poor, and even people who do things that are not kosher in the work world, that's also can end up not making money like is so often the case. And Rebbe Nachman now says, and if one is truly dati, if a person is really, really spiritual, he, he, is, he is connected to Hashem in a very deep way. He says, that he's always far from riches. Okay. Now we have to understand why would it be that in a world in which Hashem designed it, that I should want to become my best self and to do everything that I can to become my best father and the best husband, the best spiritual master and the greatest student, uh, the greatest worker and all of these things. Why should it be that if I try to achieve all those things, I'm running away from money? So Rabbi Nachman now says like this, the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed 2000 years ago. In Yerushalayim, where I am right now, I'm Baruch Hashem right next to the Kotel, which is the outer wall where the Beit Mikdash used to stand. Now there's a gigantic mosque there. In the times of the Mashiach, the Chazal teach us that the mosque will be replaced with the final Beit Mikdash, where all of the world is gonna be able to come and to see Hashem with their own eyes, okay? But when that Beit Mikdash was destroyed by the Romans 2,000 years ago, Rabbi Nachman says that wealth, riches fell into the realm of the khlipot, or the husks. For those who don't know what that is, we know that according to Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, according to the Zohar, according to Hasidus, and Rabbi Nachman speaks about it a lot in the Qutbaran as well, in his teachings, there's such a thing as husks, right? Just like fruit always has a peel before you can eat the fruit, so too um, the light of Hashem, elokus, as it's called in Hasidus. The light of godliness, Kedusha, as it's called in the more Lithuanian sectors. So it's always covered by a shell, by a husk, which you have to peel before you can get to that light, before you can get to that blessing. However, there are certain klipot that you're not able to remove them during this present time. And this is the secret behind why Jewish people are not allowed to eat certain foods. They're considered not kosher why am I not able to eat that food? Because that food is encased within a klipa, a spiritual husk, and as opposed to certain things uh, which come from klipat noga, that means that I can actually elevate it from the klipa and bring it to godliness, these foods that are in those other types of klipot, they cannot be extracted, at least presently. And this is the secret why bacon, which is not presently kosher, will become kosher in the days of Mashiach, because then that husk is going to be able to be transformed. But currently, right now, it's not. And therefore, there's nothing positive you can do with it. You can't uplift the light of Hashem that's in the pig right now. But Bezvet Hashem in the future, hopefully very soon for those people who love to eat that stuff. So then you'll be able to take it out. And Rabbi Nachman teaches that money, wealth, fell into the klipot at the time that the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed. What was going on before the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed? It's very clear from Chazal and even from Tanakh itself that the Jewish people had achieved their greatest wealth in history collectively and not even just nationally, but even in the world, there was such a high degree of wealth. And the reason is because wealth comes from the Beit HaMikdash being established. The Beit HaMikdash is the place, according to the Arizal and Rabbi Nachman, that Da'at is revealed. That God consciousness is revealed at the highest level. And Rabbi Nachman says, for the highest revelation of godliness, you need the greatest amount of wealth. And this is the reason why the Jewish people were so wealthy then. Because we had access to the greatest level of consciousness of godliness. But when the Beit HaMittash was destroyed, that consciousness went into exile. And as a result of that, money went into exile. And now if you're going to go get it, Rabbi Nachman says, you have to go down into very dark places and you're likely not to come back up unscathed. Because in Hebrew, we have a pasuk that says, she fell with wonders, speaking about the Beit Mikdash. she fell in a wondrous way. But the word for wonders, Rabbi Nachman says, palayim. If you flip the letters around, Rabbi Nachman says, it says, alafim, which means thousands which doesn't literally only mean thousands in terms of like dollars, but thousands means a tremendous amount of wealth. You've achieved wealth. So now Rabbi Nachman says, if you plug this back into the Pasuk, it doesn't say she fell with wonders. It says that the wealth or the thousands, they fell. How long are they fallen until? Until Mashiach comes, until the Beit Mikdash is rebuilt. The thousands of wealth have fallen, playim, astonishingly. They have fallen so deeply, Rabbi Nachman says, it's a wonder. If a person desires these thousands or this wealth, he too needs to fall with them. But even then, Rabbi Nachman says, he's not even assured of getting that wealth. And therefore, Rabbi Nachman teaches us it's very difficult for people who are truly spiritual to become simultaneously wealthy. Now, you need to know that Rabbi Nachman is not coming to tell you that money's not good. He's not coming to tell you that supporting your family is not a, a worthy endeavor. He's not uh, saying anything negative about money at all, in fact. And this is the opposite of what you might think, that a person who is a spiritual master, who his whole entire orientation to life is based on getting close to Hashem. Maybe he doesn't care as much about money. But Rabbi Nachman is not teaching us that. And he's not saying money is bad at all. He's actually saying that the cause of our suffering is the fact that we don't have enough of it. This is the Kiddush of Rabbi uh, Eliyahu Chaim Rosen, or Tzvi, uh, Tzvi, Tzvi Chaim Rosen, sorry. I know Yaakov Hassan knows this. Svi R.A. Rosenfeld, I'm so sorry. It was his uh, yard site only yesterday. So he's the one who says that Rabbi Nachman is pointing out the Kiddush of Rabbi Nachman is, that the reason why we suffer so much because we don't have enough money but he's adding to that fact that presently if you're going to try and rectify that problem by running after that money there's a very likely chance you won't obtain it unless you want to forsake your spirituality completely or you want to forsake being a good person however he says that even if you do those things you're still not guaranteed that wealth why because it's in the realm of the klipots, in the realm of these husks that are presently incapable of being extracted. He says there are some rich saddikim. There are some spiritual people that they are very wealthy, but he says that even their wealth is burdensome and it harms their devotions, right? They're doing it in order, let's say, to be able to bring people over their homes so they can show that people who are spiritually inclined, they can also have money and that, and that way they take care of the Western world's. Uh, a yearnings that I'm not just looking for um, meaning in my life but I for sure want to have wealth and therefore you can have both. Rabbi Nachman says that that person ends up spending a lot more time than he anticipated running after that money instead of doing the Kiruv that he was hoping with that money. Or that he was planning on making that money so he'd have more time to learn, so he'd have more time to do all of these things. But he says, ultimately, it usually only ends up harming their devotions because they have to work much more than they anticipated for that money or travel for it. And though they seem wealthy, meaning these people who made it, they're both spiritual and they have a lot of money. Rabbi Nachman says they still don't have the ready millions of those people who are not spiritual. They're not multi-billionaires like you see in the world. They're people that they have millions. But even in today's day and age, it's not considered truly wealthy. Because he said true wealth and godliness, they are now really unlikely to be found together. Rabbi Nachman now cites his grandfather, who he was named after, Rav Nachman Hore And just as an interesting side note, uh, growing up, I always thought that my father's side where my last name comes from was um, Czechoslovakia and, and Hungary, uh, places like this, Austria. And um, and I went on this website called Ancestry.com. I'm not plugging the website, but I'm just telling you what happened. Because um, I was encouraged by someone randomly on Mozi Shabbos that I'm not really connected to at all, haven't spoken to in decades, uh, told me you should go on here if you want to find out more about your genealogy. So I went on there. And when I went on there, I was very surprised to find out that my father's side was not from those places, but in fact, it was, it was documented. There's literal documentation that they had been in Ukraine in a place called Horodanker for the past over 200 years. Now, besides the fact that it's interesting because that's, that's not how I was brought up. That's not what I thought. That's not what my dad thought. That's not what my parents or grandparents thought. Um, what's even more fascinating for me is the fact that I'm a student of Rebbe Nachman and that I'm a student of the Baal Shem Tov and Chassidus. And this is my, my true connection to spirituality and this has brought me everything in my life, all the joy that I have now and all the blessing. And it all started It all started in Ukraine. And, and not only that, but Rebbe Nachman, he came from Hore Denker because his grandfather was the Rebbe there. He was one of the main students of the Baal Shem Tov. He's called, Rav Nachman of Horodanker, And it was after him that Rabbi Nachman um, was named. So, so I actually have a, a much deeper soul connection to Hasidus and to Rabbi Nachman than I had initially thought, which was, which was a very pleasant surprise. Um, and now Rabbi Nachman cites his grandfather, Rav Nachman Horodanker, of blessed memory. And he spoke about this pasuk, a very famous pasuk in Mishlei, where Shlomo Melech who was at the time of the Beit HaMikdash, who was one of the wealthiest people in history, and his nation was the wealthiest that it had been in history, he said that long life is in the right hand, and in her left, there is wealth and honor. Okay, so now there's a famous Gemara in the Sechet Shabbos, and the Gemara asks, is it possible that the right hand, which is always representing Torah or spirituality, it could provide only long life, but not also wealth and honor? And an answer is that since it can provide long life, meaning this world and the the world after this one, it could certainly provide the wealth and honor of this world. This is the Gemara. But his grandfather's Kiddush is that it's true by logic and inference, if the left hand, which is shorter than the right, and it's really referring to Kabbalistic things, the right hand always represents spirituality, The left hand always represents physicality. And the truth is that the left hand is coming from the right hand. The right hand gives birth to the left hand, just like Avraham gives birth to Yitzchak. Avraham represents the right and Yitzchak represents the left. And therefore, for sure, if Yitzchak is holding on to wealth and honor, which at one point in his life he was, it for sure came from his father Avraham. Avraham had it in potential. And his grandfather says it's true. And those who have long life should also have wealth and honor. However, he says, while it's fitting that the tzaddikim, they sh- should have this wealth, it's fitting, they should, but in actuality, they don't. <laughs> okay, so this is the Chiddush of Rav Nachman of And this is how the Sikha ends. So we're learning something very, very important. Many people in our generation are running after money. We're running after wealth. Rabbi Nachman says in many places in the Qutbaran, very strong language that says that a person who runs after this wealth, it's like he's serving a vote of Zara. We know that thousands of years ago, people had this bizarre inclination to not, let's say, believe in God, but instead to believe in intermediaries, which in the best case scenario would be like a star or a moon, something very big that we don't know a lot about. And therefore, it leaves room to think that there's more going on there. Or in worst case scenario, you make a statue and you bow down to it or you do some like um, horrifying stuff like with Molech, where they used to sacrifice their children um, to this statue, right? So, and and other horrifying things. So so now we don't have that. So has anything replaced that? Rabbi Nachman says, yes, the worship of money. That there's a reason on money it says in God we trust. Because in truth, uh, money is the God that people trust now. And Rabbi Nachman says, well, it could be that you're watching television and seeing musicians and celebrities and actors and, and athletes and and you're engrossed in the money that they have and you, and you can't believe it and it makes you feel a certain way that you don't have it and you wish you did and you toil for hours and hours working to be able to achieve that. Rabbi Nachman says that as long as you're a either spiritually inclined and or a good person there's a there's a very good chance in the end you're not going to end up very wealthy okay so therefore it's about making the most of what you have and like it says in Pirkei Avot who is a wealthy person one who's happy with his lot and ultimately if you really think about it what's the point of the wealth you know i remember i used to work with the the bukharians and queens these and there's a, um, there's a culture, especially amongst the younger generation to really hustle, you know, to run after money. It's not coming your way easily. You're going to have to go grind for it. So I had these kids and they were with me and, and I was, I was asking them why you want the money so bad. Cause they were like, even at a young age, even for me, I, when I was that young, I wasn't running after money, but they were already at like 12 or 13. So, so I asked them, why do you want the money? So they said, what do you mean? I said, well, if you're trying so hard to get it, you must want it for a reason. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And they said, yeah, of course you need money uh, for everything that you want, everything that you, you want to purchase everything you want to buy, the Nikes and the iPods and the AirPods and the, and the video games and the cars and, and, and the houses, you need money for all of that. So why wouldn't I want to go run after those things? So I said, so why do you want those things? So they had to really think about it. And then they said, because it makes me happy. And I said to them, very good. So you wanna be happy? They said, yeah. I said, so why don't you run after being happy? They said, what do you mean? I said, well, you could be happy right now. The Torah teachers, all you have to do is be happy with whatever Hashem gave you. You have to be content with it and you're gonna be very, very happy. Rabbi Nachman has a story of his 13 stories about the simpleton and the sophisticate. You have this very sophisticated Jew who he's running across the world, um, getting different degrees, um, achieving different professions, um, seemingly elevating uh, and achieving tremendous things in his life. And yet you see that this person uh, is increasingly agitated and sad and angry and unsatisfied with his lot in life. Despite the fact that he's actually increasing physically and, and intellectually um, and in honor more and more and more and more. And then you have another Jew who's a very simple shoemaker. And, uh, and he makes his shoe and he's making a shoe and he barely has enough to support his family. And, um, and he's very happy. And, and it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But you see very clearly from the story, he's happy because he's not comparing himself to anybody else. He doesn't see any connection between himself and what other people have. He's very sure that whatever he have is whatever he's supposed to have. And he he makes the best of everything. That when he comes home and he asks his wife, you know, honey, what did you make for Shabbat? And she said, I made bread and water and brings it out. And he goes, wow, this steak tastes amazing. And she's like, what are you talking about, Fred? That's not steak, that's that's bread. And he goes, wow, this is medium rare. This is the best steak I ever had. And then the water comes out. He's like, "Mm, this wine tastes delicious. She's like, that's not wine, Fred, that's, that's water. And he goes, wow, this is some really grade A wine, Hungarian wine, it must be. And you see, he's making the most of his life. And you see, the main point of this story is a couple of things. One is that happiness, it comes from perspective. You know, like when I met my wife's family for the first time, they had much less physically and, and financially than I had been accustomed to growing up in New York and New Jersey and you know in in the secular jewish world not that i was wealthy growing up but just it was it was a lot less than i would have been accustomed to to seeing and i never saw a family as happy as my wife's family the the joy the simcha it's like you only see with little children when they're when they're playing as little kids and they have no concerns in the world and they're they're playing with their toys like they like there's no end to today and there's nowhere else they'd rather be and there was that type of joy with my wife's family And I realized very quickly it's because my wife and her family were very simple. They weren't unintelligent. They're very smart. But they're very, very very simple. They weren't comparing themselves to anybody else. They weren't thinking they should have something that they don't. And they made the most of every day. And part of it is because they have a muna; They believe in Hashem. So once you believe that Hashem runs your life and He runs the world and He's the one who gives you your money, so then it's not a burden for you anymore. You don't have to worry about how much I have or don't have as long as you're able to meet your basic needs, because this is the best that, that I could do, because this is what Hashem wants from me. So simplicity is, is very, very important, but simplicity obviously comes from having a munah. So these are two big yassos, these are two big foundations of Rabbi Nachman's teachings. And the other thing that comes out is that this person who's running after this thing, he never finds it, even when he does find the money. Even when he does find the honor, even when he does find the higher education, he's still unsatisfied. And you see so many people in our generation that they go to school now for four years, six years, eight years. They're in debt for hundreds of thousands of dollars because you grow up. You mean, what, what else am I going to do besides go to school and, and try to get the best degree possible so I can make the most money possible? And within one or two years, most of my friends are completely dissatisfied with their jobs and they end up taking lower paying Paying jobs that they enjoy more, which they didn't go to school for, which they aren't in debt for, because they just can't bear the burden of these of this workload. And in fact, most people who are um, looking for Hashem now, or who come to a yeshiva like this or to other bali chuva yeshivas, you would think it's because they're soul searchers, they've always been looking and and that's not the case. Most people who are looking now, it's because they have achieved whatever they feel like is the American dream. They went to the best school, they got the best grades, they got the best degree, they started working for a couple of years and they were told that this is the greatest possible life and they got it and they're like, this is it? And they're in their mid 20s. And so they, they start looking, you know, there has to be more because it's, it's not satisfying, right? So this is a very, very important lesson for us. And um, Rav Tzvi Ari Roosevelt brings a beautiful tikkun. What's the fixing of, instead of looking and running after money. So he says the opposite is Shabbat. To make Shabbat the one day of the week that's really special that you spend more for food, that you spend more for wine, that you spend more on having guests over and having beautiful, uh, delicious uh, food and luxury and clothing and, and the whole situation. And he says, why? Because the Gemara speaks about running after money as receiving a double double punishment. Why? Because you have to go toil so much to make it. And then on top of that, you you, you end up believing that money runs your life when it doesn't so you're like doubly unsatisfied okay and then on top of that Rabbi Nachman says that even if you make it but you don't get buried with it so you don't take it with you so it's just a very limited um it's a very limited goal it's a very limited attainment even though it looks like it might be the most vast and most expensive it's really tremendously limited uh so that's, so that's one. But how do you flip that? How do you rectify that? What do we have double of? That is not the worship of money but the worship and the belief in Hashem. That is le- lechem mishnah. That there's a concept of double bread. That on uh, Shabbat we bring out two halot. And Rev. Rosenfeld is saying that this is really the tikkun for looking for money and turning up empty and, and then having the double dissatisfaction with never achieving that wealth and also, in the meantime, having to give up your morals and your dignity and your spirituality along the way, and that is by having the double bread. And he brings the fact that the gematria for lechem, bread, is 78, and you have two breads, right? You have two loaves. So what is that? That's the gematria 156. And that's the same gematria as Tzion, And that's the same gematria as Yosef. And in Kabbalah, Tzion and Yosef, they represent one concept. That is the Yasod. And Rabbi Nachman makes it very clear that the key to joy is to become Shmirat of Brit. Because all wealth, spiritual and physical, is channeled down through the Yasod. And, and then you have everything. And that's why in this week's Parsha, Yaakov and Esav, when they meet each other, Esav represents the sophisticate. He's running after money. He's running after wealth. He's running after honor. And what does he say? Yeshli Rav, I have so much. And Yaakov responds to him in such an epic moment. He says, yeah, but I have coal. I have everything. He didn't have as much money as Esav. He didn't necessarily have all of the things that Esav had attained. But it didn't matter. Because Yaakov had consciousness. He was alive. He was awake. He was connected to spiritual reality. And as a result of that, he said, no matter how much I have or how little I have, I have coal. I have everything. And they once asked Rav Natan how it was that he was the main student of Rabbi Nachman. You know, Rabbi Nachman had tremendous students, Talmidei Chachamim. Uh, geniuses in Torah, people who were able to do Ibodadud, the secluded meditation for 24 straight hours, right? But Rav Natan was the one who drew the most from Rabbi Nachman. What was the reason? Because Rav Natan said, it was true, I had Rav, I had a lot. But when I got to Rabbi Nachman, he had coal. he had everything. And he said, a lot is nothing in the face of everything. And so I made myself like nothing to receive coal. And the deep secret of this is that coal is only found with the tzaddik. So if a person achieves spiritual mastery, which Rabbi Nachman says you're guaranteed to, if you run after this thing, you will get it, even if it takes days or months or years. This is not an investment that is going to turn up empty. Whereas when it comes to money, you for sure are going to have to leave behind spirituality or being a good person. And in the end, you may not even get it. But if you want to become connected to Hashem, you may have to toil for days and months and years, but you will find it. And not only that, in the end, you're going to get coal also. You're going to have everything. And that everything doesn't mean physically everything, it means that you're going to have the state of mind, you're going to have the joy, you're going to have the simcha, you're going to have the peace and serenity that comes with knowing that everything comes from Hashem. And then you have everything. Because joy is coming from consciousness, it comes from perspective. That's the secret of why. Joy is not found in the lower spheroids, which have to do with emotions or physicality. It comes from bina. Bina means understanding. What, why does joy come from understanding? Because the deep secret here is joy comes from understanding reality. Rabbi Nachman says that when a person's connected to truth, he's happy. And when he's invested in lies, he said, because it's all about mindset. When a person has the right mindset, when a person is connected to reality spiritually, when a person is conscious, then he's happy. Then he's besimcha. And that's the reason why if you take the word machshava and you flip it around, machshava is, 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 is thought, it spells besimcha with joy. Okay? Because it's the quality of a, of a Jew's thought process that leads to his happiness, and it's not the amount of money that he has. Does anybody have any questions from today's lesson? Statements, questions, contortions, confusions, anything. Did anybody hear the lesson? No. Wonderful. Oh, great class. What is the prayer? Okay, you heard it. Thank God. The prayer is, Hashem, please help me to achieve true wealth. Help me to receive coal. Help me to have everything. Like Yaakov Avinu had. Like Yitzchak Avinu had. Like Avram had. Like Yosef embodied. What is coal? Coal is spiritual mastery. Help me to achieve elevation spiritually and to get closer to you. Because Hashem is holding on to everything. So the closer that I get to you, the more I'm going to have coal. Hashem, please give me coal. Give me everything. Okay, any other questions? No. Okay, everybody have an amazing night. Bezrat Hashem, the next class we're going to do is back in Lakuta Mirad. And I believe we might even be finishing lesson Yud, Aleph together, Bezrat Hashem. Everybody have an amazing night.